0: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker.
1: And I'm Jennifer Schott, budget and appropriations reporter.
0: And this is a big week for those of us in budget world because Democrats are ready to rumble on their own coronavirus relief package that they want to pass without Republican support. They have pulled the trigger this week on the reconciliation process that allows them to skirt a Senate filibuster threat and pass as much as a $1.9 trillion relief package with only Democratic votes. No need for bipartisan deals under that scenario if they can pull it off. The process began Monday. Democrats introduced a budget resolution that's needed. To be adopted, they hope this week, uh, which will have instructions for reconciliation. And that starts this messy bill writing process, Jen.
1: Yeah, so the annual budget resolution um, or potentially this year two budget resolutions, they don't, they aren't a typical bill and um, that they aren't passed by Congress and they aren't signed into law by the president. A budget resolution is meant to be a tax and spending blueprint that kind of guides Congress for the next year um, or next decade, depending on which part of it you're looking at. And so this process that started yesterday when the House Budget Committee released the Shell budget resolution for fiscal year 2021, which is the current fiscal year, um, isn't really what we'd normally see with a budget resolution. We're not expecting to get committee markup and debate. It's just going to go to the floor of the House um, and then possibly the floor of the Senate later this week. Where members are going to debate it, but everyone kind of accepts that this budget resolution is just to set up that reconciliation process for fast track consideration of coronavirus relief legislation in the Senate um, and to get around the Senate's uh, 60 vote cloture threshold, uh, also referred to as the legislative filibuster.
0: Right. So the point of this whole budget resolution is it's going to have these instructions in there. And to dictate to committees how much money they can spend on coronavirus relief that's going to total $1.9 trillion, which is the amount President Biden has said he wants. Um, But writing that complex bill is not going to be easy. We're we're talking about a lot of committees getting together and, and cobbling this thing together, right?
1: Yeah, so there's a pretty clear indication of what the Biden administration wants. It's been out there for several weeks now, in the form of their 1.9 trillion proposal. Uh, a lot of that funding would go to direct payments to individuals, um, state and local and tribal government uh, funding relief, um, vaccine distribution. Um, and, you know, various uh, health care programs, as well as getting schools up and running. Um, so Congress has known for quite some time what the Biden administration wants. Um, and the Biden administration, um, both through the president and the vice president and the Office of Legislative Affairs, have been talking with groups on Capitol Hill for weeks now and kind of detailing what they want in this aid package, Um and along those same lines, we've been hearing in the past weeks, few weeks what moderate Democrats and more progressive Democrats also want to see in this final coronavirus relief package. And so all of that is going to come together in the next couple of weeks. Um, once Congress formally adopts this budget resolution, those reconciliation instructions will formally go to the various authorizing committees in the House and Senate. Um, and then once their legislation is... Drafted, it will then go to the House budget committee uh, to be compiled into one package um, before it goes to the House floor.
0: Yeah. And we should say though, just getting this budget resolution adopted this week may be no easy task. Budget resolutions are always can always be hard to pass, and they're very, they tend to be on partisan, close votes. And this is a closely divided Congress. Democrats have little margin for error here, uh, which means every lawmaker has a lot of power in shaping this thing if they want to be sticklers. I think Democrats only have like four votes to spare in the House. And of course, this is a 50-50 Senate, which means if any one Democrat defects on this thing, it could sink it. Um So just getting this budget resolution passed this week is going to be an uphill climb.
1: Yeah, we think that the budget resolution isn't necessarily going to be problematic from a vote count perspective in the House or Senate. Um, And then, you know, in terms of formally adopting that document, uh, a lot of Democrats um, have said that they agree that moving forward with the reconciliation process, doesn't halt bipartisan negotiations on a coronavirus relief package. It just puts Democrats on a separate sort of legislative track where they don't have to, you know, make sure that they have at least 10 Republicans on board with the proposal in the Senate. Um, And, you know, this is the messaging we've been hearing from Democratic leaders and the White House uh, for a while now, is that just because you're doing a package through the reconciliation process where you can do it along partisan lines if you want to in the House and Senate, it doesn't mean you that's guaranteed, right? We've been hearing from the Biden administration and Democratic leaders repeatedly that they're open to Republican ideas on this package. Um, it just sounds like they're not necessarily going to come down to around that 618 billion-figure that 10 Senate Republicans outlined on Monday uh, before having a two hour meeting with uh, president Biden and vice president Harris at the white house.
0: Yeah. That's the other dynamic going on here is that even as this reconciliation process is triggered, Republicans are still holding out hope for some cutting some kind of bipartisan deal um, that might avoid the need for it. and, and, these senate republicans did offer this 618 billion dollar package on monday but that's less than a third the size of what biden is hoping to get i mean they are at vastly different poles here in trying to in trying to reach a compromise there is a vast gulf between them right now that makes me think a bipartisan deal that could be reached in in the next coming days or a week or so it seems very unlikely right
1: i don't know if very unlikely it seems like there's a lot of interest in trying to make sure that this next relief proposal is bipartisan and so you know i think each side has sort of said that their offer is kind of the opening negotiating point and i think this 2 hour meeting um, was a pretty serious indication from the Biden administration that they, they aren't just saying they want bipartisanship, they're actually willing to put the effort in there. So I think whether or not both sides can get to an agreement in the next few weeks, heading up to this sort of mid-March deadline that everyone's set for themselves for when uh, the federal plus-up for unemployment insurance benefits expires, I think you know coalescing around some type of agreement is still possible, but I think one of the things that reconciliation does is it really puts a timeline um, on these negotiations for Republicans. I think one thing that Democrats um, were obviously frustrated about, and some Republicans too were obviously frustrated about last year with the coronavirus relief package that was approved in December, is that those negotiations dragged on for months. I remember being on Capitol Hill in August and having those negotiations fall apart and then they fell apart again about a month or two later and then they fell apart again and then finally everyone coalesced around an agreement that roughly 902 billion dollar plan in late December. And I think there's a lot of emphasis from Democrats and the Biden administration that they don't want to still be negotiating this into summer, right? One of the things that we've heard from everyone is that vaccine distribution is really key to getting this pandemic under control and letting the economy start to really get going again, in addition to the healthcare implications here of getting people vaccinated, because one of the things that's really kind of stressing out the healthcare community right now is all these different variant mutant strains of COVID-19 and trying to get data around whether or not the coronavirus vaccine is effective in preventing um, symptoms from these strains. And so one of the things that Dr. Fauci was saying at the White House on Monday is that you're not going to be seeing all these variant strains if you get a lot of people vaccinated quickly. And so that's one of the things that we're hearing from both sides. And of course, then there's all the other... um, direct and sort of non-direct elements of the coronavirus relief packages that you have to get sorted out as well.
0: Right. And you make a good point there, Jim, because it's not that a bipartisan deal is impossible, but they tend to take a lot of time. As you said last year, it took months and months off and on before they finally, finally were able to get something done. And and I don't. And Democrats are not willing to drag this out for months and months right now. They want a deal by mid-March, which, which is when the these expanded unemployment benefits are going to expire. So that's why I do think a bipartisan deal now is unlikely because the time it would take to bridge this gulf between the two proposals is so vast. Um, it's hard for me to see how that could come together in quick enough time. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that I'm thinking about in terms of whether or not you can get bipartisan agreement in Congress around another relief package is that they've once again, they've gotten into this position where Congress negotiates very slowly, you know, House and Senate leadership, committee leadership, and even some rank and file lawmakers They're not used to moving particularly quickly, and especially on amounts of funding this significant, right? I know we've all gotten kind of um, numb a little bit to really large spending packages in the last year with coronavirus relief, but $1.9 trillion is a significant amount of money. Um, And so I think one of the things that lawmakers are used to doing and kind of settling into doing again is taking months. Um, to negotiate these packages because it's just what they're used to. Um, but if we think back to last March, when the pandemic really started hitting in the United States, Congress negotiated three bills, three coronavirus aid bills very quickly. And so I think what we're hearing in terms of Democrats moving forward with the reconciliation process and setting this mid-March deadline for final approval and enactment of another relief package is that you know we were able to get bipartisan negotiation Quickly in March last year, and they really feel like they need to do that again for various economic and healthcare reasons. And so, it's really going to be interesting to see whether or not uh, Republicans and certain moderate Democrats kind of, you know, say, "Okay, we're on board with the fast pace" and really start moving these offers back and forth quickly, like we saw last March, um, or whether or not you know certain factions of Congress say, no, we want to keep this slowly, at which point in time, Democratic leaders seem fine just going in on their own. Uh, But of course, Democratic leaders can't just do, you know, anything. They've got to make sure they have their moderates and their progressives on board for floor counts. Um, And that's going to be the really challenging part for Democrats if they do not have Republican buy-in.
0: And I mean, at $618 billion, the Republican plan leaves a lot out that Democrats want. Particularly, Nothing for aid to state and local governments, which has been a, a long time partisan hang up here. Uh, nothing at all. Biden wants $350 billion for state and local governments. So that's a huge difference. Um, the aid to schools would be cut. Biden wanted $170 billion. Republicans are offering $20 billion. Child care subsidies would only be half of what Democrats want. And then, of course, these tax rebate checks. There's some concern from Democrats, too, that these tax rebate checks may be going to people who don't need them uh, and that they would go to wealthier people uh, too much than and 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 aren't targeted enough to the lower income. There's some bipartisan concern about that, but the Republican plan does cut that way back. Instead of a maximum of $1,400, there'd only be a maximum of, of $1,000 and and you, you can't make a single person can't make more than $50,000 a year to be eligible, as opposed to $75,000 a year under the Biden plan. So there's some real hangups here. Less generous unemployment benefits, also $300 a week instead of $400 a week, and, and they'd only run through June, not September. Um, and of course, Republicans don't want to see the minimum wage increased, the Democrats want to more than double. So there's a a lot that would have to be negotiated in a very short amount of time, which wasn't possible last year. It took forever. It took months and months and months. Um, So even though both sides said they had a good meeting Monday night in the Oval Office, um, that's a tall order to get something like that done. And meanwhile, reconciliation is barreling ahead and all of these committees now are going to be writing up partisan bills under the $1.9 trillion cap uh, that, that will allow Democrats to just fill it with a wish list of their priorities, knowing that they could ram it through if they decide to on a party-line vote.
1: Right. And the other thing that was missing, um, not only from the Biden administration's proposal, but from the outline we saw from those ten Senate Republicans, um, is you know, specific language about around liability protections uh, for businesses and educational organizations, and pretty much anyone else who's been operating during the pandemic. That's something we've heard from uh, now Senate Minority Leader uh, Mitch McConnell uh, repeatedly, um, in terms of you know sort of coalescing Republican support around another relief package. And so that's something we haven't really heard. A lot from him in recent days. Um, But I don't necessarily think there's any kind of reading in the tea leaves there about him backing off uh, wanting liability protections in another relief package. And so in terms of getting bipartisan agreement, uh, particularly from McConnell um, and his sort of lieutenants in the Senate, uh, you know, I think whether or not that comes through Um, in a package is going to be interesting. And of course, it might not necessarily be allowed in a reconciliation package. Uh, So that's going to be another interesting um, element to this process going forward.
0: So it's a very busy week and we're going to see how quickly they can get a budget resolution adopted. Uh, And then the real reconciliation work begins and all the messy bill writing begins and We will see if a bipartisan deal is possible. A lot to look for. We'll be covering it all for you. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker.
1: And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter.
0: You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.